He said, if you just get back up and get on the racetrack of life and carve out a path on that narrow road that leads to life and start living a life of obedience, that which is lame in you is going to be healed by God. Welcome to Life Talk with Dr. Jeff Wickwire, author and founding senior pastor of the exciting Turning Point Church in Fort Worth, Texas. Pastor Jeff is known for his heartfelt and practical proclamation of the scriptures. We are so glad you joined us today. So stay tuned as Pastor Jeff teaches, encourages, and challenges you from the Word of God. everybody, this is Jeff Wickwire, and welcome to Life Talk. You know, life is filled with landmines, those traps the enemy sets to bring the believer into defeat. Yet God has given us great light in His Word on the traps that we're to avoid. So join me today as we discuss three landmines in our race towards the finish line and how to avoid them. Now, the Hebrew Christians, let's remember that these Hebrew Christians are experiencing the hot and the wilting fires of persecution. Now, we in America don't know what that feels like um, in a lot of ways, but increasingly, many of us are. And I believe, and I'm going to be real honest with you here today, church, that America, American Christians, are in for more persecution than we're used to because the culture is changing. And if you stand on the Bible, if you walk in the Word, if you're sold out to Jesus and you believe all the basic fundamentals of the faith, like He's the only way, that the Bible is the Word of God, it's non-negotiable, it doesn't change, then you're going to get persecuted. The Bible says they that live godly in Christ Jesus will, not maybe, not might, not perhaps, will suffer persecution. So this is one of the reasons I'm going through this series, because I believe the real Christians are about to be sifted from the phony, from the religious, from those that have been playing church. Now, these Christians that the writer is speaking to, the Hebrew Christians, have been under such persecution that he's having to call them back to standing up on their feet. He's having to say to them, get up. I know you're down. I know you're experiencing some real discouragement and weariness, but get up on your feet. And He begins his exhortation to them to get back on their feet with a therefore. And you know what I say about therefore. When you see a therefore in the Bible, you've got to look and see what it's there for. In other words, therefore is a connective from one thought to another. Therefore precedes one thought. When you read therefore, you're supposed to look back to what has just been said, and then he's going to add to that. So he's already told us, you know, let us run with patience and the race set before us and so on and so forth. So now he says, therefore... Therefore, since suffering is going to work for your good, which we talked about last week, therefore, since it's going to bring discipline to your life, and since suffering is going to cause you to be a partaker of the Lord's holiness, then therefore, in light of the beneficial results of suffering, put aside all fear and put aside all faint-heartedness, and he illustrates this by drooping hands and shaking knees. They're all shook up. They're down. They're weary. They're tired. They're discouraged. 
And he says, but therefore, since I've told you that all your suffering is going to work for the good, then he said, I want you to stand up. I want you to mark out for yourselves a path of obedience and holiness. Now, in verse 13, he tells them that those things that have become weak or lame. Now, this is talking about the inside of them. The inside of them has been hurt. The inside of them has gone through some real testing. And he calls that, that which is lame inside of you. That which is wilting, that which is hurt, that which is drooping inside of you. He said, if you make a straight path for your feet, then that which is lame inside of you is going to be healed. It's going to be healed. As you get back on your feet and back onto the racetrack and start running again, grab that baton and start running the race of faith again. Get off the sidelines. Get out of the bleachers. Just because you've been hurt is no reason to leave the race. How many of you can say, I've walked with Jesus over a year and I've been hurt some and I'm still in the race? Come on. He's saying, just because you've been hurt, just because there's some things that are lame, that are wilting, drooping, that are weary, he said, if you just get back up and get on the racetrack of life and carve out a path on that narrow road that leads to life and start living a life of obedience, that which is lame in you is going to be healed by God. One commentator writes it this way. I had to quote this. He said, let the paths you walk in be straight. For crooked and uneven paths will make the limbs that are lame more helpless still. If nothing aggravates the hurt you have received, it may soon be healed. Let me put it another way. Clean living is good for the soul. I'm going to say that again. Clean living is good for the soul. That's what he's telling us. When you make out a straight path for your feet, I've had people come to me hurt, wounded, bleeding, discouraged. And I say to them, you know, one of the best things you can do is get as right with God as you can possibly get and walk an obedient lifestyle because righteous living brings healing to the soul. It brings healing to the soul. Obedience to God brings restoration. And then in verse 14, he says, he encourages us to live in peace with all people, as many people as possible. How many of you have realized that some people don't want to live in peace? But as much as lies within you, he says, be a peacemaker whenever and wherever you can. But he makes the point, never at the expense of your own holiness. The Christian should never trade personal holiness for worldly acceptance. Never. He said, make straight paths for your feet. Live in peace with everybody, but don't sell out. Don't compromise in order to live in peace. Don't give up your holiness in order to get the world's nod of approval. Your walk with God is the most important thing in all your life. There's nothing more important. Because if you walk with God in that narrow way that leads to life, it brings healing to you. It brings the smile of God. It brings the favor of God. Even if you're persecuted for righteousness' sake... The Bible says that the spirit of God and of holiness is resting upon you. So we're called to walk a life of holiness. Now, in the next few verses, he's going to point out three landmines on the racetrack of faith that we need to watch out for. He tells us, in your race of faith, I want to warn you about these things. You read the rest of Hebrews 12, and it's in there. And he's going to delineate on them. But before I look at those landmines, let me just recap, since this is the last message in this series, let me just recap real quickly 
what we've learned so far. If you're going to break the tape at the finish line in the race of faith, and you're going to hear the words, well done, thou good and faithful servant, you've been faithful over little, I'm going to make you rule over much, enter into the joy of your Lord. If you're going to hear that and run a successful race and be able to say with Paul, I have finished my course, fought the good fight, kept the faith, then we are called to do this. Lay aside unnecessary weights. That was the first message. Forsake besetting sins. Run your race with patient endurance, understanding that the race of faith is going to take some patience, some grit, some steel, some determination, some toughness, spiritual and mental toughness. We're to keep our focus on Jesus, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And we're also to consider Jesus, what he suffered And if you think you're going through a tough time, consider what he went through. We're to remember that trials are going to work for our good, and we're to get back up when knocked down. God will help you. It's not that you got knocked down. The question is, are you going to get back up? The Bible says the righteous man falls seven times, but he gets up again. He gets up again. Now, let me look at these landmines. Because we're going to close with this. Hebrews 12 closes with this, with some warnings, some preemptive warnings about what to watch out for. And let me just deal with them one at a time. The first one is bitterness, the root of bitterness. That's a landmine. That's that's something you trip over in the race of faith. He says, looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up inside of you cause trouble. And by this, many become defiled by your bitterness. I want to tell you, church, I've been pastoring 32 years. That's a long time. I've seen the church, the underbelly of the church, the good and bad and the ugly of the church. And I want to tell you, the most successful tactic of Satan to this day, it works every time. For the devil is the gift that keeps on giving. It is the trap of offense. The trap of offense. Few things can sabotage your race of faith like bitterness. Bitterness will take you right out. Bitterness will sideline you as quickly as anything, rob you of your peace, steal your joy, dry up your spiritual life. It'll cause you to stop, get off the track, and hours and days and months and years can be wasted because we allowed a root of bitterness to be planted deep inside of us. It is a trap. It's a snare. It is something that every believer has got to be aware of and has got to know how to handle, or the devil's going to run a number on you with this very thing, offenses that lead to bitterness. Marriages fail because of bitterness. Friendships implode because of bitterness. People lose their relationship with their church because of bitterness. The enemy uses offenses more than any single thing. I really do believe it's his most successful weapon against the children of God. And no matter how many times I've preached on it, I still watch people who have listened to me over and over again fall prey to it. And I could too if I didn't watch it. Bitterness begins with an offense. It begins with a hurt. Somebody says something, somebody does something. And you're going to be offended. There's not a person in here that's going to avoid being offended. You know why? Because we live in a sin-infected, devil-infested world that is very, very flawed. And if you're dealing with people, and everybody is, you're going to have an offense. Your spouse is going to offend you. 
Your children are going to offend you. Your parents are going to offend you. Your neighbors are going to offend you. Your coworkers, your boss, you name it, you're going to experience an offense. The question is, what are you going to do with it? How are you going to respond to it? The word for offense in the Greek is scandalon. Now, we recognize the word scandal in that word, scandalon. I like to put it this way, that when you are offended, there is a scandal going on inside of your heart. There is a scandal going on. Scandal on. Scandal on. The word means something that makes you trip, something that makes you fall. It comes to you out of the blue. You're not expecting it. The devil doesn't send you a message, a phone call, an email, a text two weeks before it's coming. It says you're about to be offended. Get ready for it. No, you get up and you have no idea that that day you're going to be offended. Somebody's going to do something and it's going to hurt you and you're going to trip. It sidelines you. It takes you by surprise. At first you're hurt. How could they have said that? How could they have done that? But then your hurt grows into anger, and you begin the oh-so-familiar path of offense. And let me show you what it is. First, you nurse it. First, you nurse it. You don't want to let go of it. You got hurt, and you deserve to be hurt, and bless God, you're going to nurse it. It's like a baby in your arms. I understand. You nurse it. You nurture it, not realizing that that anger, that hurt, that is festering, if you don't get rid of it, it's going to progress. It never remains stationary. So you nurse it by holding on to it and coddling it. Then you rehearse it. You rehearse it by reliving the offending event over and over in your mind. You know what it is? It's on a continual loop in your mind. It is stuck on a loop. You are reliving what happened, what was said, what was done. And it goes over and it goes over and it goes over. And every time you relive it, you go, yeah, I've got a right to be mad. I've got a right to be angry. Man, any human being would be angry. Of course I'm angry. They were wrong and I'm right. You nurse it and then you begin to rehearse it. It's on a replay loop. And then you don't know it, but as you continually rehearse it and nurse it, it is putting roots down into your soul. The Bible calls it the root of bitterness. It's putting roots down. And as those roots begin to go down, that offense becomes a part of who you are. Have you ever noticed you can get around somebody who's offended and the first, you don't have to talk to them five minutes, it comes out. And that's why I say first you nurse it, then you rehearse it, then you disperse it. If you don't deal with it, you're going to disperse it. And that's how many become defiled. Because, see, you're looking at what happened through your eyes, and when you repeat it to somebody else, what you're really looking for is company in your offense. Offended people don't like to be mad alone. They want people on their side. So you nurse it. Oh, I understand. You should feel this way. You rehearse it. Oh, what they did, what they did, what they did, what they said, what they did. And then down go the roots. And now... When people see you coming, they know what they're going to hear. They're going to hear regurgitated your offense. And the Bible says, by that many become defiled. You defile people. That offense defiles people. You know what they do? They pick up your offense, which is exactly what the offended person wanted. They pick up your offense, and they begin to carry the offense with you, and they get as mad as you. Now, the person that did the offending, let's say it's in a church setting. The person that did the offending, this is not real, so don't get paranoid. 
The person that got offended is over here. The people that have picked up the offense are over here. Now the preacher gets up to share, and you know what I see? I see darts flying from eyes over here towards the offender over here. And what happens is the church divides over the offense and becomes defiled. And you know what? That church, that church congregation begins to be identified with the offense instead of Jesus. You nurse it, you rehearse it, you disperse it. Now the thing is moving through the congregation or moving through your family or moving through your workplace. The Bible warns that this is a trap. It's a landmine in the race of faith. He's telling us in Hebrews, watch out, be careful. Inspect yourself, looking carefully, lest anybody fail of the grace of God and a root of bitterness goes down. He's saying, inspect yourself. Inspect yourself and be sure that the root of bitterness is not in you. Because if the root is in you, as goes the root, so goes the fruit. If the root is in you, then what comes out of you will be according to the root. We only speak about the roots that are in us. If the root is Jesus, we're going to talk about it. If the root is positive, we're going to talk about it. But if it's a root of bitterness, we're going to talk about it. You may say, I hear you now. You may say, but Jeff, they don't deserve my forgiveness. Because the only way out of an offense is to forgive. And can I say it? You should forgive fast, forgive quickly. Don't give that thing time to go on a loop and start looping in your head and put a root down. You've got to get rid of it quickly. Get rid of it like you would get rid of a rattlesnake in your living room. Would you allow a rattlesnake to sit there and coil up and begin to do this in your living room? You'd be headed for the nearest shotgun or something to kill it immediately. We should treat an offense that way. You got to forgive quickly, forgive quickly so that the root of bitterness can't burrow down into your soul because one day you're going to wake up and that thing's going to define you. You say, but Jeff, they don't deserve my forgiveness because I'm right and they're wrong and they know they're wrong and I know I'm right. You're right. They probably don't deserve your forgiveness, but did you deserve God's forgiveness? And did I, uh, uh-uh. uh, listen to the Bible, be kind to one another tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ, as God in Christ, as God in Christ forgave you. He says, as you have been forgiven, you should forgive. Nobody was stronger on this than Jesus. Jesus said, if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. Wow, Jesus, I've often thought, thanks a lot. That's a heavy word because I'm not feeling all fluffy and lovey-dovey towards this person. I have no emotion driving me to forgive. You don't have to. All you got to do is say it. You don't have to have the emotion. He didn't say, when you feel like it, forgive. You know what? Since when are you going to feel like forgiving somebody that stabbed you in the back? or betrayed you, or hurt you, or wronged you. You're not going to feel it. But here's the deal. You have power in between your teeth. I want you to say with me the tongue. The tongue. The Bible says the tongue is powerful. Death and life are in it. And you don't have to feel something to say it. So you just say, I forgive. And then say it again. I forgive. Say it 30 times a day if you need to. I forgive. Eventually, your spirit is going to follow what you say. Knowing how much the Lord loves us, I believe he's this strong on forgiveness because he knows what the root of bitterness will do to us. It takes us off the racetrack of life. So say with me, forgive quickly, forgive truly, 
and forgive permanently. Can we give the Lord a hand of praise for that? That's right. So he says, in your race of faith, be a forgiver. Now, second, he deals with something else. Are you ready? Sexual sin. He said, lest there be any fornicator. Lest there be any fornicator. Now, that's a landmine. Now, I'm not expecting everybody to jump up and shout and clap as I'm on this. It's going to be so quiet you could hear a pin drop on a shag carpet, but I'm going anyway. Here we go. Lest there be any fornicator. Now, just as damaging to the soul as bitterness is sexual sin. Now, let me just define it. Sexual sin is sexual activity with another person outside of marriage or sexual activity with somebody other than your spouse. That covers all sexual sin. Paul the Apostle wrote these words. He said, don't be immoral in matters of sex. That is a sin against your own body. I'm going to read that again. That's a sin against your own body in a way that no other sin is. Did you catch that? He's telling us that sexual sin is uniquely destructive. Sexual sin is like none other. Just recently a movie hit the theaters, and I wouldn't give the title, except it has totally saturated the culture. And if you haven't heard of Fifty Shades of Grey, you're living on the dark side of Mars. It's out there. It's an exceedingly damaging movie. I haven't seen it. Of course, I won't. But I've read about it. It's exceedingly damaging because it places its seal of approval on violence against women and on men treating women as objects to be abused. Its message of love and sex is so twisted and skewed that it's insane that it's breaking box office records. It says something to me about the culture. that's it for today. I trust this message on landmines helped you. I think of the Bible passage that promises, thy word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. It's when we hide God's word in our hearts that we are strengthened to avoid the devil's traps and walk in victory. So join me tomorrow for the conclusion of this message and may God greatly bless you as you finish out your day. Isn't it great when things are a little easier? Like connecting to Life Talk Radio and Pastor Jeff on your mobile devices anywhere, anytime. Then here's great news. Now, Pastor Jeff, Life Talk Radio, and Turning Point Church are just a few clicks away with a new TPC Family app. With the new TPC Family app on your mobile phone or tablet, there are loads of helpful features to keep you connected in an easy and fun way. Watch Pastor Jeff streaming live on Sundays and Wednesdays from Turning Point Church in Fort Worth, Texas. Or watch on-demand videos from recent services you may have missed. Listen to Life Talk radio programs on demand. Today's broadcast or catch up on any of the great teachings from Pastor Jeff on past Life Talk programs. You can even help continue Life Talk Radio's outreach and impact on the nation with the gospel by giving securely online. Now you can even text your gift to Life Talk and the amount you would like to give to 30131. 
and you'll find contact information and directions to Turning Point Church, upcoming events, broadcast station listings for Life Talk Radio, and much, much more. Plus, the new TPC Family app is free and available on Apple or Android devices. To download the new TPC Family app, simply type in the keyword TPC Family as one word with no spaces in the Apple Store or the Google Play Store and get connected. So what are you waiting for? Download the free TPC Family app today and make your life a little easier. Forward is the final message of Pastor Jeff's series, The Race. You can own a copy of this six CD set for just $30 plus shipping. Log on to lifetalkradio.us or call us toll free at 877-884-3111. Get your copy of today's message for just $5 or purchase the entire series, The Race, for only $30 plus shipping by logging on to lifetalkradio.us or calling us toll-free at 877-884-3111 for more information. You've been listening to Life Talk with Dr. Jeff Wickwire. To find out more about Dr. Wickwire's ministry and Turning Point Church, visit us at lifetalkradio.us or call us toll-free at 877-884-3111. That's 877-884-3111. And as a reminder, Life Talk is a listener-supported ministry. We exist to bring God's Word to thousands of people in your area on this great station. So your prayers and financial support go a long way in helping us with this endeavor. Please prayerfully consider helping us. Thanks again for listening today, and we look forward to meeting with you once again on our next Life Talk broadcast. We'll be right back.